When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to consult the stars with an astrologer and then count down the top five animals we'd ride into battle. A system of understanding human nature, events present, events past, and the future. But when I started having psychic experiences that I couldn't explain away, um, that was really difficult for me because it required me to change my worldview. Honestly, the religious institutions have a vested interest in people coming to them for the relationship to God or divinity. And what astrology does is it democratizes your relationship to God or divinity. What astrology allows us to do is to look at your relationships and help you to maximize them or understand them or get out of them. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So I've always been familiar with what I thought was the basic concept of astrology. The stuff that you saw on fortune cookies or in the back of magazines, newspapers, that kind of stuff. The zodiac signs, Pisces, Aquarius, Taurus. But that, for me, that was about where it ended. But over the last couple of years, I noticed that it seemed to be getting more and more popular. And I heard more and more people around me talking more and more about astrology. And I didn't really know what it is. So our first guest is a professional astrologer. And I think she she has some fascinating insight, not only into what astrology really is, but why this is becoming more and more popular. Because whether you believe it or not, a lot of people put a lot of stock into it, and that makes it important. This is professional astrologer Jessica Lenyado. What exactly is astrology? That is a great question, and there are a couple layers of answer. Astrology is um, a system of understanding human nature, events present, events past, and the future. Um, it's a system, It's kind of a, a, a divination tool, but the reason why I say it's a, kind of like a layered question is simply because some people are astrologers and they use astrology in a scholarly way to study. Um, other people, people like me, use it as a tool for counseling. So there's a, a many ways, some people use it for financial forecasting, you know, there's many ways to use astrology. Um, but it is, you know, in its most simple sense, uh, we interpret astronomy. In interpreting astronomy, like you're looking at certain constellations, you're looking at the stars, how, how does the planets, um, so- like what are you looking at? So kind of on a foundational level, astrologers are using something called an ephemeris. And an ephemeris is a book uh, or like a chart of what zodiacal degree each planet is uh, hourly or daily. 
So you astrology is actually math. And this is something that when people see sun sign horoscopes in like newspapers or, you know, uh, online, they're like, oh, this is just some general like stuff. But the reality is that is just, you know, it's like pop astrology. It's not a substantive use of astrology. I mean, it's, you know, it's valuable, but it's not, it's not the meat of it. Um, what we are doing is we are looking at, like I said, the, the movement of planets, um, including the sun and moon through, you know, uh, all of the zodiacal degrees. And then from there, we are looking at the geometrical relationship between the planets and those we call aspects and or transits. And they describe how the energies are working together. And so this is, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing to explain in a really simple way and do justice to it because, you know, Many people use astrology in a very spiritual way. Many people do not use it in a spiritual way at all. Um, and it's because astrology essentially is an inert tool, you know, and it, it and how you choose to use it kind of changes its value. But is that generally like fixed? Okay, so if you went to a certain aspect ratio necessarily, so to speak, it's going to be the same every time or is it a constantly changing uh, thing? So basically think of it this way. When you were born, you were born at, let's say, I'm making it up, obviously, um, you, you were born January 1st, 2020, and you were born in Toledo, Ohio, and you were born at 6.37 p.m. So what we would do to cast that chart is we would uh, take a snapshot of what what zodiacal sign was rising in the Eastern Hemisphere in Toledo at the exact moment of your birth? And that would set the wheel, if you've ever seen in uh, Western astrology and astrological wheels, a circle. And then we see where all the planets are and we see the um, aspects, the geometrical relationship between those planets. Now, that is your birth chart and that is set. That is set. It's, it's like your hard drive is the way I explain it to people. You know, if you're a Mac, you're a Mac. If you're a PC, you're a PC. However, planets are still moving through the sky every damn day. And the relationship between uh, IRL planets, the planets moving in the sky in real time, and the planets frozen in time in your birth chart, those are called transits, and they dictate life experiences. And so essentially, the way to think of this is you can download malware, spyware, uh, new programs that are amazing onto your computer, but your hard drive is your hard drive, right? Um, and so the, the way it works is both. It is astrology describes your nature, and kind of inherent within your nature is not just uh, your personality traits. It's also the economic conditions you were raised in, the cultural conditions you were raised in, your mental health, mental health of your parents, your physical health, et cetera. I mean, it kind of a birth chart describes pretty much everything um, except for your free will. You know, you have free will. What astrology does describe and your birth chart does describe is your um, tendencies to use your free will and your nature with which you evaluate what is possible and what is right. Transits, what's happening currently and what's constantly changing and consistently changing, that describes circumstantial things, uh, things that happen to you, uh, things that you are in engaging with in real time. It kind of sounds a little bit like you have a fundamental nature, but the things around you can change. Uh, things around you do change. And within your fundamental nature, you have choices. 
So what you don't have is all the choices of the world. Like, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not Paris Hilton. The choices she has as an heiress of the Hilton empire are not the same choices that I have. So similarly, you know, we work within our nature, but we can always refine, perfect, or, you know, backtrack and mess up, right? And so the the birth chart describes the ways in which you are likely to do that. What you're doing as an astrologist, we're not talking about like the thing in the back of a newspaper, if I can kind of date myself, so to speak, where you read every single sign. It's like all of these sound like me. This is the thing. And I write, I write newspaper, not newspapers. I write, uh, horoscopes, uh, weeklies and monthlies. And, um, and it is the most general form of astrology, uh, for sure. Um, but that is, it's, it's a tricky thing. It's it's really the reason why sun sign astrology um, works for people is because the sun moves one degree per day. It's very consistent, and everyone knows their birthday, right? Yeah. Very few people know their time of birth, and very few people are going to. I mean, more and more people now with CoStar and other apps like that, but. Very few people are going to like pull up their birth chart, but everyone knows if they're a Gemini or if they're a Libra, right? And so it's it's kind of very easy in that way. But what I'm talking about, astrology itself, is not sun sign astrology. And in fact, in the astrologer world, not the astrology fan world, um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you think about it, um, sun sign horoscope writers are not highly regarded, you know? Um but because it's not a substantive use of astrology, but to me, it's an access point, you know, and I want to provide service and value to people. How did you get into it? Uh, you know, it, it, it's a kind of anticlimactic story. I was always into it. Uh, I got my first astrology book as a birthday present for my 12th birthday. Like I was always into it. And then, um, I, I went to an alternative uh, CJAP. I'm from Quebec, and we have a different school system there. So uh, you go to high school until 11, uh, grade 11, and then you go to a two-year government-funded college program called CJAP. It's amazing. It's like it was at the time. It was a long time ago now, but it's like 60 bucks a semester. Really cheap, but you take university-level courses to see what you want to do in uni. And at that CJAP, there was um, uh, this teacher, and what he did in the main college is he taught Jungian psychology. But Jung was, I don't know if he was an astrologer or like a huge fan of astrology, but he wrote about astrology. Um, and there is a vein of Jungian astrology. And so this this teacher, Mike Boyle was his name, uh, he taught an introduction to astrology from a Jungian perspective. And I took that class, and I was like, oh okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And within two years' time, I had moved myself to San Francisco. Uh, it was in 1994. I was 19 years old, and I moved to San Francisco to pursue being an astrologer. And I really have never looked back. And I've been doing it for my full-time living um, since the end of 99. Give me some leeway necessarily on the phrasing of this, but I think you'll understand what I'm trying to ask. Whenever we've talked to people about religious or spiritual things like that, they always seem to have a moment where they're, I'll use the word faith, I don't know if that's the right word or not, is kind of solidified. Did you have Did you have a moment like that with astrology? No, because astrology isn't a faith-based system. It's a, it's a math-based system, actually. Uh, it's a tool, and it, I really do not see astrology as... Uh, inherently spiritual, although I think 
objectively, like you have to accept many spiritual premises in order to even be interested in astrology. Uh, but uh, for me, it was like, I figured when I started to study astrology, I was like, I see there's an order. There's an order to things and things are not so random. And for me, it's a system of understanding and making sense of people conditions, circumstances, um, and strategizing. So for me, it was not uh, like there was no call to faith at all with it. Now that said, um, I probably about 15, no, uh, yeah, 15-ish years ago, give or take, started to find that I had psychic ability and mediumship ability. And that, that (laughs) was a real... um, a whole other story uh, because I didn't believe in any of that stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm an astrologer, but it's, it's math. Um, and math makes sense. You study and you learn and you practice and you refine and it's great. But when I started having psychic experiences that I couldn't explain away, um, that was really difficult for me because it required me to change my worldview. Um, so I, I, most people kind of don't know the difference between like palmistry and astrology and mediumship. So that is, t- takes a lot of people by surprise, but they're very, very different um, systems of, of understanding the world. And they're also, they require different parts of yourself. So yeah, I don't know if that makes sense or fully answers your question, but it, it does. I, you got me curious though. What were those, what was that experience that you were talking about? The mediumship experience? I started having clients who would come in and they would ask me to talk to their dead relatives and I would say, no, 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 no. You don't understand what astrology is. Let me explain it. It's math. And I would go on my whole spiel. Um, And they would say, you know, I believe in you and I will do it. And because, you know, I was in my early 30s, I didn't have as good boundaries. I would say to them, okay, uh, I'll do it, but only because you're paying me and you want me to, but I can't do it. I don't even think this is possible. And, you know, I would say all that. And then I would just get still and reach within and I would tell them what I saw and I was right. And I was like, eh, you know how sometimes the butter melts before the toast is warm. Yeah. They just want me to be right. I, you know, that's what I would tell myself. I would say, well, it was a fluke. And that went on for a couple of years um, with both psychic experiences and communicating with the dead. And then I had so many, after a couple of years, experiences that I couldn't explain away. My accuracy rate was way too high. The incidence rate of people, you know, telling me that they, telling me that I was knowing things that I just could not possibly have known. Uh, I had to really accept that this was happening and I had to accept that it wasn't something I could explain. Um, and and it and it really changed my life. I, I had to change my life in, in significant ways to work on um, getting really grounded and um, kind of growing up quickly. Because for me, I regard those things as a great responsibility, and I don't want to be cavalier with it, and I don't want to be in any way kind of ungrounded um, and project myself into it or project my values or whatever onto people. Um, I really just try to receive the data that I'm shown um, and share it with people. And when I am voicing an opinion, I'd like to tell my clients, this is my opinion. <laughs> you know, don't don't confuse it with what your dead relative is saying or don't confuse it with my, you know, m- my guidance. Our personal belief necessarily on the, on this podcast is that it doesn't matter if something is real or not. If somebody believes it's real, it's real. But what would you say to somebody that might be a skeptic about astrology? Nothing is for everyone. 
you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't have a very, you know, uh, I don't like to convert people. I'm not a huge fan of being converted myself um, to other people's views, and I, I don't like to convert others. I have a lot of clients who are in medicine and in tech and in business, um, as well as more of the demographic you might expect, which are, you know, uh, artists and social workers and therapists and stuff like that. I have many clients who are clergy members. Um, I am not... I'm not, you see, my industry, if you can call it that, right, you know, my work, it has this burden of proof upon it that no other industry does, that no other form of work does. You know, every time I'm interviewed, I'm kind of asked this sort of question of like, how do you defend what you do? And I'm not insulted by your question, just to be clear. Um, but it's it's a very unique uh, thing, you know, other people aren't asked to defend what they do um, in this particular way. And and. You know, my attitude about it now is what it, the same as it was, you know, 25 years ago, which is if it doesn't resonate for you, don't use it. If you don't like astrology, don't use astrology. However, when anybody makes an assessment or a strong fixed opinion about a thing without having any education or knowledge about that thing, except for the most topical thing, uh, the most topical amount of data, then I don't really take that opinion very seriously. You know, I can tell you about how cars work, but you should not listen to me because I drive a car, but I don't know how cars work. That's not my field of expertise. I wouldn't try to convince anyone what a car is or how to work on a car because it's not what I know. But with astrology, people who know nothing about it, except for maybe they've read a sun sign horoscope, have really fixed opinions. And, you know, if you want to stay there, you don't need to know about astrology. There's other things to know about. But if you're interested do your research, consult with a professional that's experienced. Um, yeah. So sorry if that's a disappointing answer again, but you know, I don't, not everybody needs to like all the things. No, that's okay with me. You know, for me, I'm always fascinated and I grew up Roman Catholic necessarily. And anybody who grew up Roman Catholic knows that you're a Roman Catholic from about zero to 18 and then never again. <laughs> but it's, I, I'm, I'm always fascinated how we as a society kind of like, will completely believe this one thing is true. Yeah. Even though it's not, I'll use this word, I don't mean it. Any any less ridiculous necessarily than anything else, right? Like totally. No, no, totally. this God is this God is he's the one. Your other God is completely out of there. And like yep. you said, not that it's religious, but like why do you think that that maybe astrology got kind of a connotation necessarily like, oh, that's there's well, I have an answer, actually. I've got a couple answers oh, on cool. it. So the yeah. first is, you know, my partner, uh, he was raised evangelical, um, and evangelical Christian. And so, you know, he was very mired in the church. And it was several years into our relationship when I just pointed out, like, you know, those three wise men were astrologers, right? You know, they weren't literally men looking up at the stars. They were astrologers charting the coming of a king or whatever, right? Astrology has been around since before Christianity. Astrology has been around for as long as people have been looking at the sky, you know, and trying to make sense of the world. And astrology, until recent years, was used by kings. It was used by only very wealthy people, wealthy men in particular, um, to plot and plan their lives. Um, and then in you know, and, and I'm not going to like down, like, you know, unpack the whole uh, history yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of astrology or anything. But I will say in more recent society, there's a couple of things. One is, honestly, the religious institutions have a vested interest in people coming to them for the relationship to God or divinity. 
And what astrology does is it democratizes your relationship to God or divinity. It'll, you can be a Muslim astrologer or a Christian astrologer or an atheist astrologer. Um, and that, that kind of, um, I think is, is, it's kind of like, I don't know, growing your own herbs and not needing drugs, right? It's, which I'm not necessarily recommending, but I'm just saying it's like that there's an industry of religion and an institution of religion that requires people to show up and need them, right? So, so that is a relevant thing. Now, another relevant thing is, um, with the popularization of sun sign horoscopes being aimed at female demographic, what happens societally, at least in the Western society, is that there's this kind of like, oh, that's just like a girl thing. That's just like a silly back of a magazine girl thing. And I think it is wrapped up in uh, misogyny and bias against women. So we see, you know, culturally this love and embracing of fantasy football, but we don't make fun of men as a culture for fantasy football. Whereas as a culture, we do make fun of women for enjoying astrology. So there's, there's also that like anti-female bias, I think, associated with it. But more than anything, astrology is really complicated and it requires a lot of study to even like, you know, you've asked me these really great questions and I've done my best to answer them, but I've given you very surface answers to what is actually a more complicated uh, situation or a more complicated um, data to share. And it's a lot of people just don't, they're not interested enough to actually learn about it, right? Um, and so it's easier to just be like, well, astrology is just horoscopes. And when people think astrology is just horoscopes, it's easy to just write it off. You may have kind of answered this a little bit. So if you feel like you have, we can jump past it. But I do feel like it's predominantly women. Is that yep. because it has catered to them or does it just – and I don't mean yep. it like them. No, no, no. Like, it's, this is a good you know, question. It's a very good question you're asking. So uh, what – you know, what is quick, but one is quick to note. Um, I know a lot of astrologers who are men, a lot of them. And if you go to astrology conferences, you will see a lot of the speakers are men. I definitely know just a ton of astrologers because, you know, I'm a professional astrologer. Yeah. Um, and even the male astrologers that I know, the bulk of their clients are women. And there's a couple reasons for that. But I will say when men start using astrology and see how great it is, they become astrologers because men love to learn a thing and own a thing. You know, you know, I know, um, I you know, know you know, do. I mean, we're not mad at you. We're just saying, <laughs> let's just, let's just name it. Right. You can't so, help um, it though. It's like, it's in our nature. <laughs> yeah. 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 There it is. There it is. So, um, I think the reason why, and, and I should be clear, I work with a lot of men. I work with majoritively women, but I do work with a lot of men and people of other genders as well. But I, but I will say that, um, women are culturally encouraged to self-reflect. Women are culturally encouraged to talk about their feelings. And I will tell you, you know, now I'm in my mid forties. Um, but when I was a younger astrologer and men would walk into my office, they would be very uncomfortable to see a young looking woman, um, as their astrologer. They don't want to, they didn't want to talk to a young woman, uh, about their, you know, love life issues or whatever. They wanted to talk to an old woman about it because <laughs> uh, it was more comfortable because that's more of the stereotype. It was a fair assumption that I would be an old woman. Um, but, uh, it, it it's, there's a cultural acceptance of self-reflection and processing through your emotions for women that men honestly don't get to enjoy. And it's really sad. You know, it is really sad. Uh, I do, I do have a lot of male clients, like I said, and I'm 
I kind of one day should do the research to see if it's more men who are in their 50s or older or not. Because I do think that as men age, it becomes more acceptable for men to self-reflect and to talk about their feelings. Not all men, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's, I think it's more about stigma and more about nurture and less about nature or even about per se interest. Uh, because astrology is interesting, whether or not it resonates for you. It is fascinating to see how astrology is done, how it can help you and how it works. You know I mean? I think, I think it's like objectively interesting. Not everyone's interested in the same stuff, but I mean, Men consume sci-fi, right? Majoritively speaking, it's it's like geared towards male audiences. Astrology really resonates with sci-fi because it's like this way of looking at the future. But you know, it's it's more of a cultural. It's branding. That's the that's a succinct way of saying it. It's branding. Yeah, because I'm a big sci-fi person at the same time. But for me, I just I don't know. I mean. I, I'm a man and I just kind of skip over it. And I, I, yep. I wouldn't yep. have any explanation for you other than I just do. Yep. It's a cultural bias. You know, it's a cultural bias. It, it, it's, it's when I show men, um, an ephemeris, it always gets them a little hooked because it's like, Oh wait, that's did and math and rose. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. What's that? Because again, it's, it's branding and we should never underestimate the power of branding. You know, there's, Nothing but evidence to show certain kinds of languaging makes you intimidated. Other kinds of languaging makes you feel comfortable and you can say the same sentiment, but in different ways to affect different responses, right? We know, we know this, right? As a society. Um, and similarly, the branding and it's, you know, more than a century of branding that astrology is fluffy and light and for girls. I mean, every man has heard that just like every woman has heard that. And a lot of people reject it because they take themselves seriously. I've been interviewed by many people for publications. And, you know, we have this lovely conversation. But when they write the article, they're like, well, I had this interesting conversation and this is what they said. But don't worry. I don't believe in astrology. Oh. I just think it's interesting. And it's a, it's a point of um, kind of like intellectual pride or a sense of like, don't worry, I didn't fall for it. Um, and again, I don't take that personally. That's not about me. That's about them. You know, um, I personally am really glad I never went to university. I think it's a racket, <laughs> you know, but I don't judge anyone for, you know, getting value out of it. Um, you know, like I said, my partner, he, he has a very expensive degree in English, <laughs> you know, that seems to me, uh, let more nuts than studying astrology. Uh, but you know, to, to each our own, I, I don't need us all to be the same. I do think the more we are willing to look at the world critically and look at even what we're interested in critically, uh, the more value we get out of life, the more interesting life is. But I'm not here to tell any listener, any of your listeners that they should like astrology. But if they have a strong opinion or a strong feeling about astrology, but they don't have any data to back it up, do some research. Now, what role does it have to play in relationships? How does that work? Because I always hear people talking about it, but I don't understand it. Sure. Um, I actually just wrote a book. It just came out um, on New Year's Eve of this year. Uh, it's called Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. Uh, and it is fantastic, if you ask moi. And uh, astrology – okay, so the way that astrology fans use astrology for relationships I think is a mistake. And that is very different than the way astrologers use astrology for relationships, okay? So the way astrology fans use, uh, and not all, obviously, I'm just speaking in broad terms, um, the way 
you know, in pop astrology, astrology is used around relationships is, um, I'm a Scorpio and that means I should avoid Leos and only ever date Pisces. That is way too simplistic. That's not how human relationships work. Um, it's just based on generalizations and, you know, and stereotypes. I mean, how many billions of Scorpios exist in the world and, and, you know, and Leos or whatever, like it, it doesn't work like that. So I think that that is a common way that people talk about astrology in public. And as an extension, it is a common way that uh, brands and publications ask astrologers to show up, right? And so you want to keep in mind that if you see an astrologer on some big brands talking about sun sign compatibility, they have been asked by that brand to talk about sun sign compatibility and not to talk about relationship astrology. That makes sense. It's an important thing to hear. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like one of those things like I get it until I think about it. Okay, so let me let me reframe. Let me think of it this way. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say I come on your podcast and you say, hey, Jessica, uh, I need you to talk to me about – oh, gosh, let me think of a good example. I, I'm going to think of a terrible example instead. How about that? <laughs> I want you to talk to me about cats. And I'm like, okay, uh, cats like the cats I have in my house. And you're like, no, I want you to talk to me about Cats the Musical. And I say, oh – Okay, but you know, the cats I have in my house are actually way cooler than the cats in the musical. Can we talk about the cats in my house? And you say, actually, we just wanted you on the show to talk about the musical. Well, then I have a choice. Either I get off your show or I talk about the musical, right? Oh, I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they so, kind of forced, it's forced into it, right? Well, it means that's the job. That's the job, right? So I have been asked many times by many brands and publications to talk about what donut is each sun sign or what handbag is each sun sign. And I say, I don't do that kind of astrology. So they just hire a different astrologer because that's the job. (laughs) And and that's not the fault of the astrologer, just to be clear. Right. Um, And so, and I'm not saying that some astrologers don't like talking about things in those kinds of simple terms, you know, to each their own. There are all kinds of all things. Um, But in terms of the way I use relationship astrology, And the way I, you know, I see other astrologers that are, you know, pros doing it is we look at the birth chart. We look at, we look at all of the planets, their placements and aspects to understand your nature and what you're looking for and where you're at. And then we unpack it from there and we can look at compatibility, not as a way to predict you will meet, you know, a dark haired stranger on a corner in three years from now, you know, not that that's fortune telling what I'm, what, what astrology allows us to do is to look at your relationships and help you to maximize them or understand them or get out of them if need be. Are you ready for the harder slash listener submitted questions? Yes. I love a listener submitted question. Bring it on. Can you explain new moon and what retrograde is? Yes, those are completely unrelated things, first of all. Okay. Um, so retrograde. What retrograde means, so basically <laughs> the planets move, you know, forward, like zero degree, one degree, two degree, three degree, four degrees, right? They move forward through the zodiacal degrees. There's 30 degrees to each zodiacal sign. Now, when a planet is retrograde, that means it appears to be moving backwards, Okay. And so it moves backwards through the zodiacal degrees. Now it's not actually moving backwards. This is related to the, the like speed and movement of uh, both planets. Uh, I'm not going to get into the technical part of it. Let's okay. just suffice it to say it appears to be moving backwards. And so that is when a planet is retrograde. 
Now, the sun never goes retrograde and the moon never goes retrograde. They always move straight ahead. Every other planet goes retrograde. And Mercury retrograde is something everyone's heard of because it's so objectively annoying. When Mercury goes retrograde, your Apple update on your phone doesn't work, your computer goes down, miscommunications abound. And so it has become very popular to know about Mercury retrograde in recent years. Now, a new moon is, it happens once a month. Uh, and there is, generally speaking, one new moon in each zodiacal sign every year. So what a new moon is, is when the sun and moon are exactly conjunct, which means they're sitting at the exact same zodiacal degree of the exact same sign. And when they uh, when they conjoin, when they sit on top of each other at the same sign and, uh, and degree, that's the new moon. And it represents the opening or beginning of a new cycle. Now we go through a new moon and a full moon every month. Um, and so, like I said, 12 months, 12 signs, you do the math. So sometimes there's a double up, but generally it's, it's once a year and, and they're really useful, um, to be self-aware about, to see your own cycles. Um, and, you know, speaking of cycles and speaking of women, people who menstruate tend to be really aware of monthly cycles. Um, and it's a useful thing in that regard, but it's also just a useful thing for, you know, tracking your own development, whether that's your internal development psychologically or emotionally, or it's the development of a project or even a relationship. How do I know if I have a bad astrologist? Ah, excellent question. Um, if you have a bad astrologer, I mean, there's a number of ways of knowing. <laughs> I've never, never been asked that question exactly. I've done an episode of this on my podcast, Ghost of a Podcast, actually. Um, but if you have a bad astrologer, any number of things are happening. One is you are getting data that is not accurate. Uh, they are talking in a way that frightens you, freaks you out, or feels wrong to you. Um, they are not supportive. You don't understand what the hell they're saying. <laughs> Those are all really good ideas. You basically want to use a similar um, metric that you would use with a therapist. You know, is this person communicating with me in a way that is empowering and useful and makes sense? Am I getting value from these conversations? Uh an astrologer is is not a fortune teller, and an astrologer is also not like one of those fun little machines where you put in a quarter and you get out a you know a directive. It's an it's a relationship that you build. It's a conversation that you have, whether you're getting readings written or verbal, you know, like spoken. Um, but if they're not accurate, or if they're not you know kind or clear, then you probably don't have a good relationship. Common sense stuff. Best sign, worst sign. That is insane. That is not a thing. Uh, based on what metric? I don't know. That's just what they wrote. Best yeah, time. I know. So it's a fair. I mean, people ask questions like that. But so, so here, here's a fun fact. When somebody says best sign, worst sign, what they're really saying is sun sign, because all astrologers use ten planets, right? All ten of the planets move through all twelve of the zodiac signs. So when you say my sign, you're referring to your sun sign. So that's first of all, just to clarify, um, this person is asking what is the best sun sign. There's of course not a best, and there's not a worst. It's just people. I mean, to be perfectly frank, you can be an asshole, any sign, and you can be a kind, generous, lovely human, any sign. It's what you do with your nature. Ain't that the truth? Ain't it though? Ain't that common sense, my friends? Let's use it. <laughs> it's like my grandpa used to have this saying: "I've met assholes all over the world. It doesn't matter right. where you are. It's not regional, guys. Nope. It's not regional." 
that's pretty much all the questions I have. What's coming up next for you? How can people kind of get a hold of you? All that stuff. Sure. Okay. So um, you can buy my book, Astrology for Real Relationships. It is delightful, if I may say so. It is not just about love relationships. It's about friendship, um, hooking up in like early stages of dating and long-term committed relationships. Um, you can listen to my podcast twice weekly. It's called Ghost of a Podcast, and it's everywhere you can hear podcasts. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Jessica Lignato and read my weekly and my monthly horoscopes. Uh, they're all over the place. So yeah, those are, oh, and I have an app. Uh, it's a sweet little, it's not an astrology app. It's called Tiny Spark and it's only for iOS and it's like a magic eight ball. It's pink. It's accurate. It's delightful. I want to thank Jessica so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we've linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included Jessica's information in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. She also has a podcast as well. It's called Ghost of a Podcast. If you want to learn more about astrology, it's an excellent resource for that. Okay, now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. I've been working from home. You've been working from home. How how have you improved your life with all this time at home? Like, what have you accomplished that you normally wouldn't have accomplished? Nothing. I feel like I'm accomplishing less. Does that make any sense? That's completely my same answer. I've accomplished absolutely nothing. I'm less productive. <laughs> I, I wake up and I, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I have an hour before I have to, you know, clock in, so to speak. What I'm, what am I gonna do? Next thing I know, it's the time to clock in. I've done nothing but sit there. Like, what are you even? Because you wake up early and watch Sports Center. What are you even doing? Uh, so now, well, I yes. For those who don't know, I wake up quite early, and I like to have those few hours to myself, so weird. doing whatever. Uh, now, because as we all know, there's nothing really good on the TV uh, in terms of sports. I get up and I read for an hour, hour and a half. I don't understand how that's even possible. I couldn't get up and read. I would just fall right back asleep. What book? What's the last? Give me your. Give me a book recommendation, huh? Our our, our interests really don't really don't uh, mix. I mean, I what I read you? a lot of biography, war stuff. You're more like the fantasy comic kind of person. Okay, so why can't you just tell us what it is? Because it sounds like you're ashamed of it. No, I mean, if you want me to bore the people, uh, I'm reading a Matterhorn, which is a 600-page, uh, this makes no sense, but uh, real-life fictional account of a real Vietnam life. Marine. <laughs> he tells a real story, but it's through uh, fictional characters. Oh, okay. So. That makes sense. His name's Carl Marlantis. Check him out. It's a great book. If you're interested in it at all, I recommend it. Wait, the author is named Carl Marlantis or the character is named Carl Marlantis? The author's name is Carl Marlantis. Who's the main character? Um, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but it's uh, Second Lieutenant Mellis. He doesn't have a first name? It's M-U-I-L-O. That's his first name or that's his last name? That's his first name. What's his last name? Mellis. I just said second Lieutenant Mellis. Yeah, but that's his first name or his last name? You're shut up. Anyways. <laughs> Which one is it? I'm legitimately confused. <laughs> you, when have you ever heard or, or when someone's been addressing a soldier, them ever go, this is Lieutenant Colonel John? 
Like, if that's his first name. Okay, well, then, then what's his first name? He doesn't have a first name at all? And yes, but I told you I don't know how to pronounce it, so I spelled it for you. You Well, how do you spell it? Just tell – give me a good shot. I, I, I already spelled it. Are you okay tonight? Are you I, I missed it. Just spell it again. Why can't you just repeat the thing? W-U-I-L-O. W-U-I-L – Willow? What are you – are you snorting some of that fairy dust again? I'm I have I am uniquely terrible at when somebody tries to spell something out for me for me to remember the 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 letters. I can't do it. Like I have to back up three or four times. I'm I'm terrible at it. W Jesus Christ. I'm sorry for everybody that's listening. Just, is, let's just knock this out. W U I I L L O O Wulo. Sure. What I, I guess. All right, we should just – okay, well, let's just move on. Let's check it out. It's a great book. It's called Matterhorn. What I want to know is all this time at home that you've had, what's what's the most useless thing you find yourself doing most regularly? <laughs> uh, solo pleasure cruise? What, do you, what else would – yeah, that, that, that. I mean that's totally useless and I do it quite often. Just like – Every other man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 that was a good answer. Yeah, that's that's the only answer. What it, do you have? Something that you're totally useless that you keep doing? Not really. I, I just find myself just. <laughs> God, we sound so pathetic. <laughs> I just find myself walking around a lot of my own house. Wait, you're not even going outside. You're just walking around your house. Well, I mean, like, like, well, like this weekend it was outside, but like, I'll just be like. I'm going to go clean the garage and then I'll just get outside and I'll just stand there in the garage for like an hour and then I'll just be like, oh, well, the baby's up. I guess I'm going back inside now. What are you just literally just standing there like thinking about your life? I think you're a fucking crisis, dude. It might have been – it might have – Scared all of my neighbors. I'm not entirely sure. You're just but. standing there. Is the garage open looking like a psychopath? <laughs> my dog's like laying out in front of me. I'm just standing there like. Were you dressed yeah, weather yeah. appropriate? Or that's to me like if you were – if I was your neighbor and I saw you doing that, the only reason I would consider really trying to help you out is if you weren't like dressed weather appropriate. And then I'd be like, oh, we got to <laughs> – I got to go check on him. But if it's like yeah, seventy was, and you got shorts on, appropriate. Don't worry. Okay. All right. That's that's that that seems okay. I guarantee you when you're walking, tell me if I'm incorrect or correct about this. Hundred percent chance you are not walking around in your house, going up and down any stairs. Not then. But I will tell you this: that when I get up, because you know I work from home and blah blah blah. I, well, we've already said that. You know, when I get up to go to the bathroom or do something like that, I do. 10 push-ups, and I do my stairs three times. How many stairs we talking? I don't know. I mean, I can count them real fast if huh? you really want to know. I want to know if it's more than, like, 10. If it's more than 10, that's a lot of stairs. It's 11. I just counted. Is that counting the top step? Do you count the yes. top? Yes. And that's 10 stairs. You don't count the top step. <laughs> okay, whatever. I've, I've never counted the top step. I've never gotten to the very top and then said, 11. And then kept walking. That doesn't count. Do you, you count your steps a lot? Every once in a while. <laughs> I'm just saying. It doesn't I will count. Say, I will say this. I think everyone that's quarantined with us will say the same thing that 
you say things like, oh man, I, I don't want to be at work or I don't want to do this. I'd rather be at home, this and that. Like, well, now we've all been, if you've been following the guidelines, all stuck at home for at least three weeks now. And I think we all want to get out and just go back to our hated, you know, our hated lives. Yeah, I can't wait to get away from my family. Uh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> what's your, let's hear your stuff. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's give some shout outs, man. We had some, some good social media presence this week. So appreciate that. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know where we're at. Uh, let's start here with uh, Tony, Liz, Kelly. I'm going to screw this one up, but I put it down anyways. I believe it's Mallard, uh, Ruskin, Sean, Eric, Joe, Kayla, Man Wang. Appreciate you checking us out. On what? <laughs> Man, Man Wang, like M A N W A N G? Yep. <sighs> First and last name. I, I, I assume he's a real person. His profile. Wow, either that or you've just offended a whole nationality. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh,. Finishing up here, uh, as always, thank you to uh, Swix, uh, Salah, Darren, Jossie, and Danielle. Appreciate y'all <laughs> checking us out. So uh, and sorry to the entire Asian population if I offended you all, but I swear, I believe this man's name is Man Wang. So. <laughs> so, here's my question. Do you pick out the people you can pronounce or the people you can't pronounce? Because there seems to be a general problem with you pronouncing names. <laughs> I always like to I, I don't pick them out on purpose and believe it or not I do say them in my head but then when we actually get to recording this and I say them out loud I'm I probably sound like a dumb redneck for Michigan yeah so. I agree all right hey Kansas baby Long John Silver's unofficial official sponsor thank shout you shout out to Hush Puppies all right uh this one I don't know why I was wondering this, but I realized the other day I do not like to walk around my house barefoot. So would you rather be socks or bare feet? Oh, socks. I don't like to walk around my house barefoot either. The only time I'll do yeah. it is if I wake up in the middle of the night. Otherwise, I I honestly have tennis shoes on right now. <laughs> Are they the same ones from eight years ago? Fuck yeah, dude. I've hit the age where you don't have to buy new shoes. <laughs> Shout out to Nike Cheapos, baby. Oh $49.99. All right. Kind of piggybacking on our last episode. Um, would you rather ride in your favorite sports car doing ex excess of 180, 200 miles an hour, or would you rather ride in a space shuttle? Dude, a space shuttle. Why would, like, you would never get a chance to ride in a space shuttle otherwise. Why wouldn't you ride in the space shuttle? I mean, I, maybe, maybe some people don't want to. Don't want to. I, I don't know. Just a question I was thinking. I'm not entirely sure. If someone, if someone offered me a chance to ride, you know, like in a, in a NASCAR going 200 miles an hour, or go to the, or you know, in a, or in a trip on a space shuttle, I'm not entirely sure what I would choose. I don't really have any desire to leave the planet. Well, I mean, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity that only a couple of people have gotten a chance to do is ride in the space shuttle. Be like, no, I'm gonna ride in this Chevy instead. Well, we all know that I wouldn't get to go anyways because growing up, I would tell my mother uh, on on the regular that I wanted to be an astronaut, and she would then tell me I was too heavy. So that's my <laughs> life. In her defense, you probably are too heavy to be an astronaut. Is there yeah, a I weight limit on astronauts? I mean, I grew up thinking that. There, maybe there isn't. I don't know. But I, I think there is. 
Hold on, I'm looking up astronaut weight limit. Oh, 209 pounds. Sorry, bro. 209 pounds? Yeah, you're you're pretty far off. There yeah, I'm about 150 off that pace. Oh, yeah. Can't even see my feet anymore. You still see the other thing? <laughs> no, that goes first. Oh, it does? That goes before feet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Learned a lot about big guys. Uh, what Are you done or you got one more? <laughs> I got one more. Uh, cake or pie? Pie. Fuck out of here with your cake. The only cake I'm eating is cheesecake. Let's see. Our top five was actually one of our listeners' suggestions. Shout out to Logan. I love it. I think it's one of the best ideas that someone that we have now had by stealing it from someone else. Um, so it's top <laughs> top five animals that you would ride into battle. What's your number five? So I went conservative with my number five pick, but I picked a horse. I mean, it's okay. Logistically, I understand. Like, right? It's probably the best practical solution. There's a reason that people weren't riding other animals into battle, and they picked a horse. It's domesticated relatively easy to handle like i get where you're going but i kind of think you wussed out on us well i you know i i was conferring with a couple of people on my list and was told i have to put a horse on there so i i i thought about it and i said you know what a horse is a good safe but conservative pick yeah i mean so is like saving your money and not buying stupid shit but people don't want to do that like look i'm going my number my number five is um, a polar bear. <laughs> I mean, listen i i got some I got some crazy things. I don't have a polar bear on my list, but um, I mean, listen, polar bears are just fine. Yeah, I think the polar bear is actually the biggest bear, which is why I chose it above the grizzly bear or the black bear. <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I mean, you're just teaching people. A lot of things today. So I'm just going to stay on that train with you, and, and, and now we learn something. Okay, what's your number four? Um, so it's it's a tie. I, I went with one for power, the lion. Okay. And then I went one, uh, another cat for speed, and that's a cheetah. You can't ride a cheetah, dude. It's not big enough. I mean, you know, you don't think? I mean, aren't cheetahs? I mean, they got to be somewhat decent size. No, dude, I don't think they're very big. Humans are actually, in terms of, like, animal size, we're actually pretty big. Like, there's not really that many animals on land that are bigger than us. Right? Like, think about how many animals we're bigger than. I mean, what, an average man is, like, 5'10", 200 plus? Like, there's not that many animals that are bigger. Let's see here. Let's see. Let's see what what an average cheetah size weight is. Who's gonna beat it? Who's gonna? Who can Google faster? Forty six to one hundred and sixty pounds. That's not carrying your ass anywhere. Mm, yeah, but yeah. I mean, listen. I'm I'm still gonna keep it on there. But if you're make if you're just qualifying that, I'll at least keep lion at number four. Okay. Yeah, lion's a pretty good one. I would go with lion. It doesn't. I've got another. No, I don't. Yeah, I thought about the tiger, but I, don't, I guess the lion is more impressive than the tiger, really. I'd be more scared seeing a lion coming in than a tiger. I think a lion's a little bit bigger. Yeah, I was just thinking of, like, you know, the big mane and whatnot. Like, it just looks more intimidating than a tiger. Yeah, I'd be 
First of all, the cheetah can run at 60 miles an hour by itself. But if it's carrying your big ass, it certainly ain't carrying. It's, it's going about eight miles an hour. <laughs> can you imagine me just, you know, safely, of course, all our PETA friends out there, me just jumping into a saddle on that thing and it's just, it's just falling bogs over. Down, just lays down, just gives yeah. up. I don't even think it could go eight miles an hour. How fast do you think you could run, okay, of your total speed? What percentage of your total speed? Are you run, able to run with someone on your back? I don't think I could go fifty percent. Oh, I mean, like we're talking obviously like an adult, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't even say fifty. Maybe lucky if you're getting me down the street. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm yeah. yeah. Daddy's working on his dad bod here. Uh, what are we number four? My number four is an elephant. Okay, I uh, I, I have that on my list as well. Uh, a little bit later on in the top five. Okay. Well, let's go on to number three then. What's your number three? Uh, I have a moose. Oh, that's a good one. I thought about a moose. Listen, I, I've never seen a moose you know, in real life, but everything I've watched or heard about, they seem like really, or they can be mean creatures. So they're mean, they're big, they, they're badass looking. You know, oh. they can survive in cold weather like motherfuckers, so let's keep them. Okay. What about, what if you get a moose in hot weather then? Are you just fucked? Mooseologist <laughs> expert? I, I guess I'm going to the lion or another, you know, hot weathered, you know, animal. Okay. All right. Um, I will tell you that my sister used to work for some government agency in Wyoming, and they would always tell people, be afraid of the moose. The moose is what you like. They weren't really worried about bears. They were worried about moose. I guess they'll follow you home. Like, they're mean as fuck. Um, my number three is a swarm of bees. <laughs> I mean, if, if you can't necessarily ride them, then I get to keep cheetah at number four. Cause who says I have to ride the cheetah? Okay. All right. We'll allow it. But I'd still be more worried about a swarm of bees, a giant swarm of bees carrying somebody than I would be about a cheetah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would too. I, I didn't even, I didn't think about anything like that because I mean, what are they going to have? I mean, how many bees would it take to just carry you? A hundred thousand, maybe? <laughs> I mean, probably I mean, like a hundred thousand. You'd at least lead tens of thousands, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I wonder if and bees then, like, could like, are, are you, you So does this mean that you would be considered the queen? <laughs> yeah. I'm taking over, man. <laughs> You'd have to be to control all those bees. You'd have to, I mean, you're not just gonna. You have to have something. You got to provide them with either food or or loving. <laughs> well, anyways, before we get into a conversation that neither of us want to talk about, uh, my number two. I that's where I have the elephant. Is that number two? I was gonna put the elephant a lot higher, but then I apparently read something that they're a little bit skittish. Like maybe they wouldn't be so great in battle. Like they might. I think they're too smart. Like they're too smart to just. Well, I'm not going to go do that. I could go do something else and just buck you off me. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every animal on this list is like at the top level of the of the, you know, nature in terms of their smarts though. Would you ever ride another person into battle? Like what if there was like a like they had in those uh, Mad Max movies? Like if there's like a s- giant like Hodor, would you ride another person into battle? No, because if someone has to carry me or if I'm riding on someone's back, imagine how big that fucking person is. 
Yeah, that's true. It kind of decreases their effectiveness. They'd be better off without you, really. <laughs> I've only met a few people in my life that dwarf me completely, and I'm not entirely sure that I would want any of them carrying me into battle. Yeah, even if you could get, like, Andre the Giant, you'd just be better off without you on him. Like, you could just stand behind him. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like four of me could stand behind him, and we'd be fine. Oh, okay, well. Uh, my number two is an orca, an orca whale. I mean, okay. See, I, I knew you. Were, I knew you were going to do this. Then you should have anticipated you're, you're, it. You're right. I know. I, I should have. I, I wanted to put, you know, like a whale or something like that on my list. But then I was like, eh, I'm going to say that. And he's going to be like, you're an idiot, so don't do it. But you did it. So and it makes complete sense to me. Okay. What's wait? You already. What's your number one then? I bet. I bet we have the same number one. Do you want to go one, two, three and say it like true best friends? No. Okay. Um, I have the, it's a rhino. Yeah. Rhino is mine too. It's really hard to beat a rhino. I mean, they're dumb enough. They're not going to really like try to do anything. They're fucking huge and fast and they got a horn. Rhino's, rhino's a pretty solid number one, I think. Yeah. I think it's hard to rival, at least on land. Uh, you know, the rhino for being the number one ride into battle animal. And I could see somebody saying a hippo. It's very similar, but it just doesn't have the horn, right? Like at the end of the day, it doesn't have the horn. I'm not entirely sure the stamina is the same either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't see a hippo having the stamina of a rhino. I don't either. But we could be completely wrong, but. Let's not look this up in any way. What's on your honorable mention? Uh, so I have an ostrich. Okay, I can see that. They're pretty big. Uh, they're big and they're fast and, you know, they, they look badass, so that's why they're on my list. Um, Do they look badass? Yeah, man, ostriches are badass birds. Come on now. Um, they don't look badass. They look stupid. Yeah, well, you're stupid. Um, I, I put on, on my list a turtle. I was just about to ask you, what's the dumbest one you put on there? Why would you wear the turtle? You're just get... because of its shell, you know what I mean? Like, But you're not in the shell, you're on its back. I would create like some contraption to make sure that I'm you know, covered or like protected by its shell. But then you could create that same contraption for a polar bear. Listen, I, it's just on my honorable mention, all right? It's like it's the ultimate protector against mortar attacks. No, no, it's not. Because if the mortar attack would come from above, it would hit you first. Not if I'm protected by a shell. But it still hits you before it hits a fucking turtle. Well, good, all right. And you you're a slow target, anyways. I just don't think you thought the turtle through. I don't think you did. <laughs> probably, probably not. What else is new? You didn't put you didn't put nearly enough thought into this serious top five about animals you'd ride into battle. <laughs> Uh, my my last one on my honorable mention is I have a, a wolf. That's a pretty good one. I feel like the wolf would be good, especially if you could have like the pack with you. That'd be badass. That would be badass. Um, I my honorable mention. I, I mean, if they're like a bird, if you could have a bird, that'd be pretty cool. If you had a hawk, oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> you could ride a hawk somehow. I had moose on there. I thought moose was pretty good. Any kind of bear except for like a little tiny one. 
I think what I'm, you're saying is you're not going to ask a koala bear to take your ass uh, to battle? I don't think a koala bear or the panda bear would be very helpful. I feel like a wolverine would be pretty good, but not big enough. Yeah, not not big enough at honey, all. Honey badger? Ooh. <laughs> don't fuck with honey badger. What about a snake? Would you take? Would you ride a python? No, not even close. Yeah, I don't think I would either. Oh, alligator. Uh, see, I think alligators are, are not the best fit to ride into battle. Apparently you just have to go side to side and they can't keep up with you very well. <laughs> I, listen, I... Okay. I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't think alligators, crocodiles, I just don't think they'd be very effective on land. No, I don't think so either, really. Uh, that's all I got. Well, you know, that, uh... I'm surprised that you didn't have, uh, you know, either of us had tigers on there. I know you talked about it, but I mean, I've, I was looking forward to calling Carol or, uh, you know, Joe and seeing what they had to say. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I got where you're going there. I had to think about it. I got distracted. Jesus. I tuned out. I tuned well, out. Edit that part out then. Nah, I'm going to leave it in. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download subscribe share we really appreciate it it really helps us out if you guys have top five suggestions look we're all about talking about it because john and i are not the smartest people in the world and most people probably have much better topics to suggest than we could ever think of so if you've got one by all means send away those t-shirts that we keep talking about endlessly they're actually getting made right now They're going to be available on our website, ProfoundlyPointless.com. Check them out. I mean, we're selling them for cheap. And even if you look at it when you get it and you hate it, it's a good t-shirt. It's really a high-quality t-shirt. I mean, you could turn it inside out. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.